Well, hello everybody and welcome back to the All Saints podcast. I'm here with Mr. Josh Taylor, who is the headmaster at... Grace Classical Christian Academy. There was a long pause there. I was thinking, hold on a second. Has he forgotten who he is? Um, uh, Welcome, everybody. It's great to see you again. Um, uh, We have uh, had three conversations prior to this one in previous podcasts, and we've talked about lots of things connected with education in particular. Um, But we weren't able to get everything done that we had wanted to do. Uh, And so we had one more conversation pending, which is what we're going to be uh, talking about today. Uh, Basically, what we want to do is to talk about the next step beyond uh, school, uh, whether in a high school like uh, where Josh serves as headmaster or those of uh, you who are uh, homeschoolers. uh, What's the next step? Of course, college for some is the next step or some kind of vocational training. Uh, or just straight into the workplace. So um, I think, uh, Mr. Taylor, why don't we start with thinking about vocation uh, and tell us, um, well, okay, in the broadest sense, vocation is just whatever it is that we're doing, right? So uh, a mum or a school student or a father, that's part of those different people's vocations. Uh, There are different aspects to all our vocations. Uh, Often when we think of vocation, though, we think more narrowly um, in terms of uh, a job if somebody has uh, a particular trade or a particular vocation in that sense and so why don't you uh, begin Josh by talking to us about um, what's on your mind in relation to vocation and perhaps especially vocational training yeah um, I think it's a, a very important subject to discuss and 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 one that seems historically we've uh, we've set aside to some degree or, or another you know and, and I'm saying that for my own personal experience and my own personal theological training it's not something that's at the forefront and and you know just kind of thinking at uh at a, a broad general level um one of the things that is crucial in understanding is that you know no matter where we find ourselves in life that god has given us every principle needed uh to, to operate with excellence to do things to honor and glorify him and you know, no, you know, mentioned being parents or educators or in some sort of trade or something like that. You know, the principles apply equally to, to every field, and and so thinking about how we might subsidize that not only as an educational institution, um, more specifically and more importantly as a church and the body of Christ being in the world and and making great great strides to change the culture from the bottom uh, from the bottom up from the family um, from the church. From the individual, but also to the community, as we as we pour over these these principles and live these principles out, right? So the first thing that comes to mind, um, something maybe a, a butchered form of like an Augustinian approach to to God's will. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a book early on in my um, my faith that kind of simplified things. I was young in the faith and I had no idea uh, what I was doing. I have a slightly better idea, but it still probably rounds down now but um with something like if you put god first do whatever you want if god is first in everything that you do um mm-hmm. and in you know we 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 honor the first question of the westminster catechism you know what is man's primary purpose to glorify god and to enjoy him forever um if that is in place then then we can do whatever we want if if we're we're going back to that and and then thinking about how pervasive of a statement that is, and how how one could apply it to all these different areas, because you know, and there's there's a bunch of things that we could talk about. You know, 
in a lot of ways, you know, we had pre previously mentioned that the restor uh, the Reformation had restored this sense of that, mm -hmm. you know, the priests aren't the only people that matter, that um, the, the normal blacksmith, and, and I can't remember if we talked about that in the podcast or if we, we were just talking yeah, about yeah, that ourselves, did, but, yeah. but I think it's a huge principle, a huge theological, um, uh, a huge theological thing that, that, that I want to bring back to the top and, and make it be a part of our everyday conversation, both, both at school okay. and in church. So, so in one sense, one implication of what you're saying there is that, um, uh, common to all specific callings that a young person might find themselves in, in let's say 10 or 15 years after they're in your school, there are some foundational principles of um, worshiping the Lord, of basic Christian godliness and disciplines of, of the Christian life. Um, and then beyond that, uh, kind of Ten Commandment issues of honesty and integrity um, and applying those things to working life with hard work and, and self-discipline and so on. There, there are all those things which are a necessary part of somebody functioning well in the, the, the workplace of vocation. Is that where you're headed? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, and, and I think there's, um, there's a lot we could talk about. I mean, I, I think we should, we should address a, a few things if we can, uh, if we can remember. Is, I mean, just thinking about... Well, let, let, um, yeah, go ahead. Let, 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 me, let, me throw, let me throw a question out then, because um, I, I wonder whether there's a, a very simple reason why those things perhaps don't get covered in uh, conventional school settings, whether a Christian school or a home school or even a, a government school. Um, I, it's because they don't obviously form into, fall into any one subject. Like, where are you going to teach that in a math class or a, a, um, a geography class or a history class? You know? And so, in, in one sense... Uh, maybe what's happened is that school has become a an academic specialism place, a, a place for teaching of academic subjects, and those other disciplines of the Christian life are uh, supposed to be inculcated elsewhere. And I would want to say at one level, there's nothing necessarily so wrong with that. Um, I mean, a school doesn't have to do everything, but are, are you suggesting that you'd like your school... Uh, perhaps to do some of that and and how would you want to do that and uh, are you doing some of it already and and it'd be good to think through those questions yeah um yeah i mean certainly i want to explore that as i as as my understanding in particular of the doctrine of vocation grows and and i think you know going back to the subjects thing i mean i can't help but think when you say that how influential even on the church that I and mean, I'm going to call it a doctrine, but the doctrine or philosophical view of uh, materialism has crept in, and and I wonder sometimes if that's what Dorothy Sayers was after when she had talked about how we as a um, uh, as Christians, you know, educating in this way um, don't really don't really teach to subjects per se that we want to see right. and train the student and you know um, enculturation of the whole student and all things of the Lord. And, um, and yeah, we certainly should say something about the Trinitarian nature of the doctrine of vocation and thinking about, um, you know, as we... We'll talk uh, about that because that sounds interesting. Yeah. It yeah. sounds like that would be something people would want to hear about. <laughs> well, at least six or seven of them for sure. Um, but, yeah, so it's something I want to explore. <laughs> something, something I've thought about a lot as I have entered into this position is, um, 
you know, regenerative farming, for instance, like thinking about the long history and legacy of something like mm -hmm. that and how deeply Christian that is when you think about it and you break it uh, right. wide open. And, and not only from the, uh, an individual, uh, an individualistic perspective from the person who is doing the farming, but also for the community and also thinking for generations to come, like considering how something right. as simple as um, farming techniques can be done in a way that looks ahead, not at 100 or 500, but thousands of years into the future. And once again, I mean, the pesky, um, you know, eschatology gets gets in the, you know, gets in yeah. our everyday conversation. But I mean, so many of these things, I mean, there's pragmatic reasons why I want to consider, um, you know, trade skills and how we can have a more robust uh, approach to vocation, you know, such as like, I uh, think about the hourly rate of a plumber. I don't know when the last time you had plumbing um, um, needed that you had to you had to farm out to somebody. But you know, there's uh, yeah. a huge financial um, uh, component to it. But also thinking about as we are about you know always reforming, kind of thinking um, how important individual trades and that sort of thing are for subduing the culture, restoring civilization. Right. I mean. I don't know about you, but when I take my car uh, to a mechanic, my first thought is to text every person I've ever met ever and say, "Who is the best mechanic? Who's not going to mess me over?" Because, mm. you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to have to to deal with the, kind of the reputation that's been built in that particular field. And, right. And um, and how can I <laughs> subsidize that at a young age as we teach these biblical yes. principles to these kids at this age? Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder whether there's something there that. Um, is helpful that, um, that from a practical point of view just uh, integrity and honesty and trustworthiness yeah. is so valuable in those in those trades where the the customer uh, that is to say the person in society uh, <coughs> the member of society whom we're trying to bless and serve absolutely depends on so if you're in a trade, you know, you're doing plumbing for somebody, it's because it's got complicated enough they can't do it themselves. Um, if you're fixing somebody's car, it's because it's got complicated enough they can't do it themselves. And, <coughs> pardon me. And so the, if, if, um, if we're thinking about long-term transformation of culture, one of the critical ways in which as Christians we can contribute to this is by being the 110% reliable um, mm -hmm. uh, service industries in that sense, the craftsmen, um, uh, tradesmen and so on. And I think you're right that there is um, there's something tremendously precious about that. Um, and that gets it, it, it's interesting then to think, okay, well, how would you ever teach that in a school setting? And you might say, I, I guess I've got a couple of thoughts. My first is I, I wouldn't want schools to be beating themselves up because that they're not teaching people to do plumbing, right? Mm. Because you, you end up broadening the definition of a school to the point where it can't do well the things that it, it's trying to do well at the moment, Correct. the academic side of things. But on the other hand, some of those uh, characteristics like just having integrity and working hard and being honest and tell, telling the truth, mm -hmm. they permeate other disciplines as well. So here's the thing. Um, if we can teach the academic subjects in a way where we're holding the young people accountable to a standard of hard work and performance where we're trying to highlight, look, this is how you're going to be in the future. Um, you, you can't 
um, drift through your math classes for 10 years, lazily doing the bare minimum, and then right. rock up in the workplace at the age of 20 or something, and expect to be able to switch on a disposition of commitment and reliability and a, a deep work ethic because you just won't have learned it you when you're at school you're becoming in the history class and the math class and the geography class the kind of plumber or ac service engineer you're going to be so pardon me i, I don't know i don't know whether you have in mind um more specifically like work experience opportunities that you think it would be good to offer people if you did i'd think well you know great but I wouldn't want you to feel bad if you weren't. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I, I as I explore this, you know, in a lot of ways for the first time, thinking about how we as a school can do what we can. Now, obviously, I agree with you that there only there's only so much we can do, and you can only spread so much butter on bread. Um, I've just thought about like it makes me think of our athletics program, you know, which might sound strange, but you know, they, they practice and they practice and they practice, and then we give them opportunities so that they can go out on the field and and uh, uphold the principles. And so as little as maybe just bringing it into the conversation as something that's uh, important, but uh, maximally, you know, how can I develop and build relationships with people in the community uh, and offer, um, you know, you might call them extracurricular programs or or, or work studies mm -hmm. or something like that, but to give them a, a chance to go and apply these principles. And, you know, what, what initially made me think of this, and perhaps I've shared this before or perhaps not, is there are, there are several, uh, a couple of businesses uh, uh, that are represented here at the school that have over the years mm -hmm. had some of the students come work over the summer. And just getting to see the reputation that the students have been able to develop with their their coworkers, some of them not Christian, some of them have no idea on earth, you know, what we're doing as a school or who they are or who Jesus is, and and that slow um, that slow building of the the reputation that you know we need. I've heard this multiple times. We need more of those grace kids at our business, and you know, in in, in my view. That's not a compliment uh, towards the school uh, necessarily, but it's a compliment to how how faithful God is to train the students with the right principles and His Word, and and to kind of see that. and And I can't help but but think about once again um, mentioning the Huguenots and getting to see how that right. that that uh, that climb and progression towards um, you know a, a, a reputation in in you know a huge portion of society, you know even across an ocean that they would be employed yeah, yeah. because of their their reputation their, their their honesty you know that you had mentioned is right, one of them right. so it's kind of work programs and something over the summer and maybe even something over uh mm. breaks and and giving them just opportunities to both earn an income which there's so much you could say yeah. there you know training them how to work hard to, to support their families and something like that but you know kind of just exploring a lot of different options and trying to have as many conversations with people as i can about it yes yeah. Do, do you worry that if you lay all that stuff on for the students, then you're uh, inadvertently depriving them of the opportunity to just go and organize it for themselves and you're taking away from them an opportunity to grow by just sure. being self-motivated and organizing their own internships and work yeah. placements and so on? 
Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I, I think that caution is wise, certainly. I think about it as a natural progression from the logic to the rhetoric stage. You know, we might use that in right. the, the classical terminology. But ultimately, we want the students to become more and more reliant on um, the things that they should be relying on. And one of them is, um, or to say it more simply, is we want to teach the students to know how to think and not know what to think. You know, we yes, as a yes. school provide opportunities and books for them to read, but ultimately that's mm -hmm. heading towards the fact that we want them to be, you know, something of an autodidact as they grow older, that they're self-motivated. And so yeah, what I yeah. mean to say isn't to, to put them and place them in positions necessarily, but to, to simply add um, opportunities and to provide resources, yeah. both for families and students, to have a selection of places where they can learn these things, but not certainly force them. And so that we, we can train towards how you might pursue those things. And so I think there's a lot yeah. of uh, educational components. Like no one ever taught me how to go pursue um, a job. Um, and, right. and then how to talk to a boss and and those so, things are valuable and and just those things i mean if you <clears throat> excuse me if you think about it uh, it would be interesting to see i don't know whether this is what you've done or what you would do but you could just give the students um uh, a list of uh, here are here are companies in the community whom we know would be willing to receive a letter from you and would consider uh, offering a work placement perhaps and then basically the students have got to go off and do the uh the hard work of applying for it i mean that's a yeah. like you said it's a it's a skill that. that needs to be learned um where you know you write to a company and you you apply for a job you know and um one, one of one of my fears about um larger educational institutions uh is that they sometimes institutionalize things that <laughs> Uh, ought to be done more locally on a small scale and and they thereby r remove from the students the necessity of figuring out how to do it themselves um, I think yeah, universities sure. can sometimes do this with their placement programs because like a, a university often obviously has a an economic vested interest in placing as many of its students as it can so it doesn't want to rely on the fact that the students will go and sort out their own placements because they might not do it they might not be good enough and therefore they want to up their numbers so to speak and it's um you know it might help some students who wouldn't otherwise get the work experience at all but in the long run um it's like any kind of welfare program this is a general principle of a a a welfare program that's administered from a distance will take away from people locally at grassroots level the need to show initiative and therefore the opportunities to learn that kind of initiative yeah um I wanted to pursue a, a, a question related to this, so, but moving slightly towards um, the question of college preparation and so on. Um, I know there are schools out there, not your school, which basically are college prep schools. I mean, they, they, their big statistic right. is how many percent sure. of their kids get into what kind of college at age 18 or whatever. And obviously for the reasons we talked about before that's a misguided aim as a controlling aim for a school but um presumably you have some kids who want to head off towards um higher education what can you give us a sense of the kinds of things that they do and um how you help them with that yeah so i mean a college advisory position i think is um an important position and i've seen it done really really well in in classical christian schools i mean there's there's a a broader question to ask as well as I mean 
I mean, there's so many questions that need to be considered by Christian parents is for one is, is college a viable option anymore? Like, like, and, right. and if so, where, you know, and, and, and one of the, yes. the hopes and desires of our school here down here is to, is to one day maybe uh, subsidize or help or maybe even build a college ourselves. Um, but is it, is it a viable option? Um, should this particular kid with his natural bent and tendencies and giftings and talents and all these different things and how God has created him uh, in the image of God and all mm. the giftings, should this kid go to college? And that's the question right. that our college advisor um, has, asks and, and helps uh, talk to families about is, is this beneficial? I mean, does this kid want to go into a, um, a more trade um, um you know, line of work or field, or do they want to farm or is there yeah. something else, you know, or, you know, and if college is an option, you know, one of the questions is, is, do you continue with a humanities approach? Do you continue and go, go to right, a liberal right. arts school? You know, a big portion of the classical paradigm is, do they begin to study the quadrivium? And, and there's something that's mm -hmm. still relatively unexplored there in the classical Christian resurgence. Um, I find it to be pretty fascinating um, as I understand the, the philosophy behind how it was applied and, you know, advanced mathematics and then randomly astronomy and then randomly music. And, and there's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's not random, of course, you know, uh, there's something there, but, you know, and then and there are several, several, several kids that, yes. you know, want to pursue engineering and, and stuff like that. And, right. uh, I think the, the wisdom there is how can we help them, like you said earlier, um, and bears repeating is how can we help them apply the principles that they've been being taught for years and years and years from their churches, from their families, and then from the school is, you know, I mean, you mm. want to go to an engineering school now. I mean, you're, you're looking at a state school, you know, we're not yet there in a Christian society to where we can say the Christians mm -hmm. have the best engineering mathematics or, you know, physics or uh, science. School. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, STEM schools. I mean, we're not, we're not quite there um, and so, but you, you right. teach them like anything to go in eyes wide open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I think it's interesting, and it's, this actually broaches one of the things I'd really like to talk about. So, let me um, let me start just thinking about the, the direction you were hinting at a moment ago about uh, college as the continuation of classical education, the continuation of Christian education in the humanities, um, perhaps in theology, in history. Uh, advanced Latin, uh, biblical study, Greek and Hebrew, that kind of thing. Uh, there are colleges in our uh, broader church world that focus on that, the kind of liberal arts schools, Christian liberal arts schools, and there are a variety with um, various different confessional positions. Mm -hmm. And then the um, college as a place to study engineering or physics or um, something which is more directly oriented to towards a job afterwards whether a specific job because you're, you're studying accounting or you're studying um uh maybe you're, you're doing a biology undergrad and then you're hoping to do medicine so you can become a doctor or whatever it is you wanting to yeah, do sure um or maybe it's just more general you're doing physics because you know if you get a decent physics degree you can work in almost anything that's to do with anything anything numerate right, so like it, it seems to me that we, we sometimes make a mistake <laughs> right Right, yeah, your pastor seriously church. I think it kind of something. Um, well, one, one of the things that sometimes happens is we get talking at cross purposes here because people um, apply the standards that ought to be applied to assessing a good school in the first category to the second school. 
So if you're if you're going to go somewhere study history and theology and liberal arts and uh, more of the things that make classical Christian education a good thing, then clearly you're going to want to find a Christian school. Right. Um, and uh, that's like, I mean, if if, if that doesn't go. I, at least a school which is which is going to teach you within a framework that is amenable to the th the insights of Christian uh, of, of orthodox biblical Christian teaching. So you can you can think of uh, schools that have a confessional Christian foundation. You can think yeah. of more conservative liberal arts schools that will be at least uh, friendly places. Um, and I've had conversations with guys who work at places like that or who uh, teach at places like that or have been to places like that. And I, and I talk about, well, what about studying engineering? And you get this kind of negative response because the assumption is that your Christian education isn't over yet at the age of 18. You've still got work to do on the Christian formation of your character at the age of 18. Therefore, you should go to one of these Christian liberal arts places and then after that, you can go to a graduate school. And I've got, I guess I've got two main thoughts about that. Well, no, I've got about 12, but I, I, I'll give a couple to start with. Um, uh, so the first thought is, um, uh, well, yes, that would be nice, but there's, there's no free lunch. Uh, you're looking at three or four years of lost income um, before you start graduate school in, let's say, engineering, uh, or before you and therefore before you start earning. So that three or four year liberal arts degree doesn't just cost you whatever your accommodation and, uh, and fees are for those three or four years. It also costs you hundreds of thousands of dollars in lost earnings. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. the first thing. Um, second thing is, and so that makes it sound like I'm pushing back against Christian liberal arts education. Sure. But then the second thing is, I wanna be more radical even than the Christian liberal arts proponents in arguing that your Christian education is not complete at the age of 18. I don't think it's complete at the age of 21 or 22 either. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, your little phrase, I mean, it's, not, you didn't coin it, but it's, um, it's a, a good phrase, autodidact, one who teaches himself. I think that's exactly what we want to become. I, I don't think somebody has finished their Christian education because they got a great liberal arts degree from a great Christian college. Mm -hmm. yeah. you, even if they worked really hard and it was a great college, that your Christian education carries on throughout your whole life. And so I guess what I'd want to say right. is, look, I, I, don't think, I don't think you can ignore the personal and practical and financial realities at any stage in your education, 16, 18, 21. And it just might be a luxury that some people can't afford to have another three years of studying Augustine and Aquinas and Paul the Apostle um, before training as an engineer but I don't think that gets them out of the need to read that theology what I'd love to see is everybody in uh, well let's say this church for example um, who is constantly in an ongoing way committed to a steady drip feed of um, uh, more uh, immersion in biblical and theological study and in wider re reading the great books um, and I'm, if somebody wants to go to study engineering at age 18 or study liberal arts at age 18 or go and train to be a plumber at age 18, Lord bless them. And I, I don't, I, it doesn't seem to me that you can write a kind of one-size-fits-all thing um, there, uh, even if 
you thought that your liberal arts degree was going to be absolutely superb. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with what you're saying. You know, in in a lot of ways, um, that's why I'm thankful for um, you know Christian education, specifically in my in in my world, mm-hmm. the classical Christian education approach is because I do think in in many ways. Um, what you know so i you know i i I did an undergraduate degree at a a liberal arts school and and in a lot of ways the kids the fourth graders here you know did everything i did um and so there's so much ground that can be um um tread you know at at such an early age that i think there is a strong argument um that i've that i've heard not just you but many people say in regards to, um, well, you know, they have, we have, um, we've been spending the last 13, you know, 14 years, they're, they're 18 years old, they have, they have a, a fairly robust uh, liberal arts education. Now, mm-hmm. now let's, um, let's consider what God has for us, based on the yeah. specific giftings of the student. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and once again, I can't help but think of just the, the, the Trinitarian nature of all of that. Um, and just thinking you, are, about, are you thinking about the the, di- the diversity of legitimate and good callings? Yeah, that that's, when you talk about tr- yeah, that, that's absolutely right. And um, and there's there's so much there that we could tease out. But mm. just mm-hmm. just thinking about, I mean, there's so many verses about you know like the parts of the body and and, and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, and yeah. and we can jump more into you know how our Trinitarian theology applies to so many different things that we. That, that we overlook and certainly I, I overlook and um, there was one thing one comment I wanted to make on on something that you yeah. said um, now for the life of me I can't remember what it is um, <laughs> <laughs> I've had effect on people I think yeah. <laughs> but uh, so well, maybe, let, let me just jump in and just, come back. just connect a couple of things that you just said and then if, if your comment comes back into your head it it, it just strikes me to, to push the point further about um, the goodness of, let's say, STEM degrees mm-hmm. um, or technical degrees more broadly. Um, uh, it's a corollary of our commitment to a reformed doctrine of vocation. That if somebody says, aged 18, yeah, I'm going to go and train to be an accountant, we don't wince and say, oh, yeah, but your <laughs> Christian education isn't really finished yet because you need to study more Bible for three arbitrary more years. It's like, no, 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 you need to study more Bible for 70 more years. Um, and wonderful praise god that you are going to take yourself off as a a young christian adult to train to be uh, a really reliable uh, assiduous competent accountant um, or plumber or whatever else is going to engineer whatever else you're going to do um and and it's not just a job um it's a uh, it's a high calling and and the the highest I was talking to a couple of guys here at All Saints about this in uh, a few weeks ago. The the first and highest responsibility of a Christian in any line of work is to be excellent at mm. that line of work, um, and we should be ready to praise that um, and and encourage it. I, I, I guess what it does do, and and here is, I mean, it is worth saying this. I guess about the college scene, especially because of the economics and the ideological factors involved. Um, I've, I would be willing to speak very, very highly about engineering degree from some state university uh, and a liberal arts degree from some Christian institution. It's quite hard to find much enthusiasm for a media studies degree from anywhere. 
Harvard. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't want to beat yeah. up on, on media studies. Maybe media, maybe some people study media studies and it's really demanding. And But there is a whole bunch of something studies degrees that have proliferated mm -hmm. in recent years, which are basically critical social justice ideology applied right. to whatever domain has With become most trendy. With various amounts and of uh, candy coating on it. Yeah. yeah, and it's just and and it's really interesting. There's a fascinating piece of work that my son found actually. Uh, full disclosure: my son has just applied for an engineering degree, and we talked about this at considerable length. Uh, he's going to be starting in September. Um, That's awesome. Uh, and uh, uh, he 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 dug up this piece of really really high quality work where the author had looked at the. Uh, financial costs over a lifetime of earnings of an average student in every I think it was every degree at every university in the in the US or certainly it was a vast swathe of different disciplines and there are many 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 subjects most typically uh, the kind of X studies and also psychology and a few other degrees where it doesn't matter where you study them um, you have no net gain and perhaps a substantial net financial loss over your lifetime um, wow. because of the high cost of the degree and the fact that it doesn't give you any tangible employment benefit thereafter. And I kind of mm. think, look, if a degree doesn't give you any employment benefit and if it doesn't give you any Christian educational benefit, then why the heck are you doing it? You know, I, I, can, right. see, yeah. I can see doing Christian liberal arts, and I, I don't think you should have to defend a Christian liberal arts degree on the grounds that it improves your employment prospects. Right? Just, just, I, I don't teach people the Bible because I think it will make them more employable. I mean, it might make them more right. employable right. in all kinds of derivative ways, but that's not the, the, the stated goal. Um, mm -hmm. But if, if somebody has the financial means to uh, borrow from generous parents or to pay themselves by working through through college and they're willing to take that extra time, great, God bless them. And I think you can justify um, trade schools and tech degrees and STEM degrees uh, generally uh, on the grounds of the glorious dignity of the mm -hmm. vocations that those qualifications lead to. No. Um, the problem is if you've got neither of those things, you know, what, what are you doing studying gender studies at Harvard? Like, why would you do that? Uh, you get a Harvard degree. Well, try selling that to an employer. Because, I, and just read this piece of research. I, I should probably even try and dig it out in case people are interested. So I, I, yeah. I guess part of the issue is, and may, maybe, let me ask a question to you about this. Is there a sense in which you think as a, as a school teacher, you can prepare the students for that kind of choice or rather that kind of decision, by trying to inculcate in them a sense of responsibility. You are preparing for your future, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. Um, and you've got to do so in this purposeful way. This isn't just school. This is, you know, your future is on the verge of springing to being. Is that something you, you think schools ought to be trying to do? Yeah, I mean, certainly Christian schools who are being consistently Christian. You know, I think it's I think it's absolutely right, required. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, one of, one of the things that I want the students to think about when they're considering their future, and then something that you know, as as a college advisors and parents and all of the different people here at our school, but in the church in general, is, you know, I mean, yes, does this help your employment? Yes, does this uh, help you? in your life, you in particular, and your family. But, you know, how does it also affect the service of others? Mm. Like, how can you maximize your giftings to serve others? I mean, I've said it before, and it's it's uh, something that I think 
um, is a huge component of what I want to accomplish at the school is how can we how can we make better churchmen, you know, in in any mm-hmm. in yeah, any and every way. It's good, you know, is is like yeah, yeah. how is this vocation going to maximize um, your joy in the Lord, but also your service to others? And and you know, it sounds a little silly and trite. You know, something that we talk about here all the time is, um, yeah, you know. People will say, well, we send our kids to the government school so that they can be salt and light. And, you know, backing up just a little bit, you know, uh, thinking about what you're what you're saying is like in a lot of ways, we want the students to truly go to these government institutions, perhaps state schools, wherever, and pursue these higher academics if it's the right thing so that they can be on, you know, on a there's a missional component is all I'm saying. And something that also has to be taken yes, into consideration yes. is like, how are you going and infecting the world with Christian ideas and then response being dangerous to the deceptive philosophies of this world. Um, and you know, that, that all of that has to be on the table when making these decisions, because you're not going to find a STEM school that's distinctly Christian, or at least if you do no, send them no. my way, I'd love to meet them. However, yeah. I mean, considering, consider the, 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 the necessity of coders um, and right, right, right. and all the different uh, technological engineers. services, engineers. Yeah. I mean, like there's yeah. so many different things that um, society is structured around, for better or for worse. Mm. Um, yeah. And why would we not want them to have Christian doctrine? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I think, yeah, I, 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 it fits exactly with um, what I think I'd hope for um, from a um, from a school. Um, let, let me let me then raise one more question, and maybe this one we'll talk about for a few minutes, and then we we might have to call it a day because this might take uh, fifteen twenty minutes. Um, <laughs> we've talked so far about students generically. We've not talked about male female differences. Mm-hmm. So let me begin this autobiographically somewhat, uh, and uh, I'll I'll describe the situation that we found ourselves in as a family. Um, and you tell me if you think this sounds familiar, <laughs> uh, if, if we're the only one. So um, my wife, Nicole, and I have three children. Uh, ben, uh, our eldest, is 18. We've got a daughter, Becky, who's 17, and another daughter, Abby, who's 15. Uh, they're all uh, uh, excited about the possibility of uh, study, including further study at college. Um, uh, they're about as bright as each other. Uh, and Ben's got into a, a college here in Texas, so there's no good reason to doubt that um, Becky and Abby would be able to. Um, and one of the first things you start to think about um, when you're a parent and your kids start talking about college is how much it's going to cost. Uh, and so you have to put that cost against the potential future earnings of the student, which means you then have to make certain assumptions about the likely uh, vocational trajectory of your child. Now, the assumptions that we uh, think we can safely make about our son's future are different from the assumptions that we think are most likely to correspond to our daughter's futures. Put, Put bluntly, it's much more likely that Becky and Abby are gonna spend uh, years if not decades not in the paid workplace vocationally but uh, raising children um, if, even if they had let's say uh, one or two children and they uh, which would be I guess a smallish family uh, one or two children 
and uh, from a young age they were they went to a Christian school rather than teaching them at home you've still got five six seven years of um, when mum is going to be not working to earn money but um, her calling is going to be with the children and even after that even if the child is at school we all know that school isn't really full-time and so on and so forth so there's no way of escaping the fact that on average a young man's lifetime earning potential is generally higher than a Christian young lady's and that's there's just no way of dressing that up uh, and there's no need to apologize for it however politically incorrect it sounds but what that means is it places a higher pressure on the costs associated with college for a young lady. So where we've got to right now, we've only, like I said, our oldest is 18. Um, he's going to go to college. We're going to be able to support him a little bit. Um, we'll uh, be able to lend him some, uh, and he, he may be able to borrow. And once we've got... Um, various paperwork things sorted out connecting connected with our visa status he'll be able to work yeah. um so we, we're hoping he's going to graduate with not much debt at all um that's awesome uh, but it will be some debt right it'll yeah. be it'll be some debt it could be tens of thousands it won't be hundreds of thousands um but uh, he's got he's got a scholarship he's done really well right but but he's going to leave with debt which and here's the key thing when we've talked with our girls about they are more, what should I say, rightly hesitant, uh, aware of the the burden that could be given the the future that they would like to have in their twenties, thirties, forties. Can you see what I'm saying? Now, how do you factor that in to the kinds of advice, the kinds of support, the kinds of uh, encouragement you give to young ladies? and young men as they approach adulthood. That strikes me as a really difficult question. It's not one that I've heard addressed um, uh, in detail. So uh, Mr. Taylor of uh, Grace Classical Christian Academy in Granbury, <laughs> yeah. tell, us, tell us your thoughts on that. Uh, I have uh, a lot of thoughts. You know, my first thought is um, not only should we not apologize, it, uh, apologize for it because scripture doesn't, we should do everything mm -hmm. we possibly can to bolster it up and, and, right, to, and right. to say and to say it um, as often as we can in so many different arenas. And and, um, you know, one of the things I tell every single family that sits in front of me, which is sort of a hot take in 2022, is that we are we are committed to, um, you know, a, a more. Um, you know, I would say a more complementarian approach, you know, and I want to define mm -hmm. what that means very, very carefully, but essentially how the Bible understands the different roles of men and women, right? And so yes. in the classroom at all times in math and in, in science and whatever subjects we're teaching, you know, as we, as we attempt to not teach uh, to the subject uh, per se, we want to demonstrate um, the masculinity and the femininity of, um, and, and the emphases of, of those types of things as they come up in scripture and history or is, does this person um, typify, you know, what might be a man from a biblical perspective? You know, there's the, the mm -hmm. whole idea yeah. that, that I, I heard, um, 
in over the years from from guys like Matt Whitley, Matt Whitley, and uh, Keith McCurdy about uh, um, training boys to be both warriors and poets. Um, the distinct characteristics that we find in scripture that speak only to a lady. And, you know, one of the things I say mm-hmm. often is we want to train boys to be deacon qualified and we want to train girls to be yeah, Proverbs yeah. 31 women. And that doesn't start at 18. It doesn't start at 16. It starts with um, right. the a, a mother and a father and their conversations about how they're going to raise yes. their children. I think one distinct thing, one obvious thing that has left been left completely unaddressed, it seems, in our culture is when it comes to professional sports. And huh. and I'm not going to say too much about this uh, uh, as it's going out on the Internet, um, but there's something to say about um, top-level competitive female sports, um, and there's a trade-off there. There's, there's things that need to mm-hmm. be considered. Now, the, those principles... Um, or, you know, the, the, those realities, those consequences, and the, the biblical principles that we base our athletics program on, um, all of those things need to be discussed. I, I mean, I can't tell you how many hours of discussion we have had the last two and a half years of, as we establish an athletics program is we don't want anything that looks like the world, and not for right. that reason alone, but sports in general just isn't considered when it comes to how we might maximize maximize and and put on display um uh, biblical femininity and masculinity right, right. in these particular sports you know what we want is our volleyball girls to go out there and be beasts and destroy and like destroy the other teammate you know and all these different things and and that's not that's not something we want to be about we right, want right, right. we want to take those things and and completely uh, reapproach the whole situation. You know, how can we have a level of competitiveness um, yes. um, that is that is righteous for our young ladies in volleyball, and how can we put on display uh, um, the gifts that God has given men? You know, like mm. out on the football field. You know, one of the things yeah, that's yeah. happening right now in with with uh, with um, uh, Greg Abbott, he had recently passed a law that allows all government schools, charter schools included. Um, that they are now um, legally required to allow a girl to play on their football team because there's no girls football team. And so now, I mean, we've run into this ourselves, um, you know, out there on the field and saying, you know, well, this is the new law. Girls are allowed to play football. And so now we have a situation that, you know, with our school to the point where we were about to have to shut the game down um, but you know, luckily the the other team was able to abide by the, the 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 standing policy at the time that there was no girls allowed on the football team. But you know, we got 400 people out on the field. I'm about to have to cancel this game because this was that goes because directly. another team because another team yeah. wanted to include a girl on there, right? Wow. You know, and and because and you, of and the, you didn't really want your <laughs> you didn't want the young men at Granbury uh, in uh, at Grace Classical going right. out and hammering some. Poor right. Grief. You know, yeah, and, good call, and, brother. Um. <laughs> Thanks. You know, and so, and I've thought about a, a lot of that, and you know, that I, you know, mm. that's a whole other podcast talking about that and the backlash that we received yeah. from that particular thing. But you know, what I what I hope is remembered is that at that point, you know, with four or five hundred people out there that day, that they'll they may never think this, but that that girl was the most important person on the field to us. 
Um, right. And, yes. you know, we as, you know, and, and so to, for our boys to see that one of the height, one of the greatest gifts that God has given men and one of the, the values that he expects from us is that we um, that we protect, that we um, yes. that we shield, that we guard, that we that we love, uh, that we nurture, um, you know, especially the opposite sex. And and yeah. uh, maybe that'll be maybe that was seen by some, maybe not. But. Yeah, anyway, to yeah. sum to sum it it's all, kind of hard up, to do that. It's hard to, kind of hard to do that with the uh, uh, the other quarterback if she happens to be a lady. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, yeah. And, and and to kind of sum it all up is, I think it's it's not simple, uh, um, it's, or it's no. not easy, but it's simple. Um, that we yes. have to be intentional, and we have to not invent things. Add to Scripture that Scripture is sufficient to tell us what masculinity looks like. And what, yeah, what biblical yeah. femininity looks like, um, and and be consistent, even if it's counterculture, cultural, and yeah, it certainly yeah. will be in so many in so many ways as, you know, as we mm. explore. Um, you know, and I bring up athletics because it it immediately shines on the the vast differences that we find in men and women. I mean, and yes, we could get yes. political, and we could talk about all the different things that right. are happening with weightlifting and and swimming, and the you know all these this complete lunacy that's happening in the the sports arena, the NCAA, yeah, yeah. and some of the stuff that's going on. And but anyway, all that to say, it it starts every single day in the home, every single day in the churches, every single day in Christian uh, education. Yeah, and in one sense, you're you're simply not going to be able to make your stand without the parents wanting to make it as well. So it is a broader um, program within the church, isn't it, of thinking with clarity about these issues. I mean, you know, for every Leah Thomas situation, um, that there is a there is a a thousand or tens of thousands uh, of of people who. Uh, they're taken through education and nobody highlights at any point ever the fact that there are different differences between men and women that would affect vocation desired vocational outcomes i was talking about right. this with my my wife nicole and you know it apart from to their very great credit occasionally at the church that nicole attended when we were at university together um uh, the no, at no point during her four years as an undergraduate was anything said about the the different kind of life hopes that a woman might have. Yeah, as a graduate yeah. in engineering. That's wild. Um, and she did chemical engineering. And and if you think about it, what that wow. what that does is it 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 starves young ladies of and distorts young ladies' perceptions of. The, the right way of thinking about what a fulfilled mm-hmm. future would be. And I guess, I mean, in one sense, this is where we've come back to. Um, uh, with, with our, we don't have a solution, like a ni- nice, neat solution just within our family. I guess what we've, we've, just, we've done is you start from the premise that, that college educations are already ridiculously expensive. <laughs> because then anything where government funding is involved, if you look at um, college degree price inflation over the last twenty years, the only thing I, that I beats have, it is medical. It, it, the only thing, the only thing yeah. that beats it is medical expenses because it's the other thing that's government yeah. government subsidised. And so, and so, right. um, uh, the 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 costs are just 
absolutely wild and the proliferation of administrative posts and so on means that you've got uh, you know, the, the faculty haven't increased in number, uh, I don't think at all, really, per, per head of student population, but the administration has and the complexity of the organizations have. And so you've got this wildly expensive uh, opportunity. I mean, we could easily, but Ben got offers from places that were like 60 grand a year um, for just the fees for four years. Mm -hmm. And you think it now, obviously, uh, most people who go there aren't paying that. Well, and this is right. where you've got to start getting to. Uh, you think, okay, for anybody, there has to be a, a hard-edged cost-benefit analysis. Mm -hmm. And it's just that the costs are going to look different set against a young lady's likely mm -hmm. future aspirations. Right. Um, and I think it, that, that doesn't give... I don't think it gives you a blueprint. You know, a, a woman should never go out of state or a, certainly doesn't mean a woman should never go to university. I don't think that at all. Yeah. I think, actually, for what it's worth, I, I think um, the Christian homeschooling movement would be immeasurably helped if, if there were a higher level of math and science understanding more generally, yeah. which is going to tend to come from, um, uh, the, uh, from having mums who've done STEM degrees. I, th I think we've we've wonderfully captured some glorious fruits of um, uh, history and literature and theology in in high school education. It's not obvious to me that we're as good in the science and uh, uh, yeah, math I subjects, agree. but so I, I think we absolutely need to find ways of getting a high level education for young women and young men who can benefit from it. But it's just not obvious to me at all that the way you do that is by grabbing whatever looks nicest off the middle shelf um, and just um, and, and, and sucking up the debt and leaving, you know, leaving school yeah. at age 21, 22 with a quarter of a million hanging around your neck. I mean, there, there are, especially now in an age where we could be watching the financial implosion of higher education anyway because right. of the unsustainable cost of debt servicing i mean interest rates now increasing quite markedly it'll be in it will be interesting to see what happens in the next five to ten years because you've got all these online offerings I mean, you can get yourself you can do all the study for an mit degree um in a gazillion different subjects just minus the exams and you can do it completely free right i mean did you yeah. realize that you can, it's, it's all online now obviously you're not getting in classes you're not getting one-to-one -one tuition with a sure uh, an there's trade-offs in the subject but the material yeah, the material is there, and it is yeah. zero cost. Like, it's an internet yeah. connection, and the time is the cost, and that needs to be factored in as well. So, um, yeah, uh, tough choices need to be made, I think. Yeah, something to say uh, along the lines of that is, um, you know, I think one of the things as, as, as fathers, first of all, you know, and I'm early mm -hmm. on, earlier on in my parenting than you are, and, um, the, but is, is to, to normalize... A Christian mm -hmm. priority for men and women, you know. I mean, so you know, it's it's so Absolutely. so common at this school to hear little girls running around talking and pl playing, you know, as if they're mom and and playing right. with dolls and something like that. And they 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 so desire um, to to have families and and when you start from the perspective that um, for, for, you know a female's uh, highest calling is her family and her home, mm -hmm. you know that that naturally changes and directs um 
you know, the conversation, you know, and the same, yes. the same is true uh, when you when you look at it from the uh, from the perspective of how we train young men. And, you know, when mm-hmm. we, we start and we ought to start with natural presuppositions and assumptions about the future of these kids lives, because yes. it stands before us, it's revealed and we see page after page in scripture of cautionary tale after cautionary tale when things that uh, that that are not for us are pursued and 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 I think you know this is one area where our culture um, now has uh, what you know a couple of generations of data to demonstrate mm-hmm. the, the the dangerous and catastrophic cost of first second third wave feminism and yeah, and yeah. how and how radically it has shifted so much of our every single day life like that's why i think you know in this in this time of um complete like disjointedness between the christian church and mainstream culture when it comes to the role of women that i think now is the time to to press in and and push back and and and, and be gentle yeah. but not um uh, but not apologetic um and and talk about how yes. Uh, you know, our our women are not weak because they're at home. They're actually strong because they're at home. Um, and you know, obviously, I, I don't disagree one bit that you know women in in STEM and especially in mathematics and and um, and science. You know, in in fact, if you know anybody, I would love to hire them um, because I need a I need an upper <laughs> well, school math it, and science teacher. But but yeah, well, I if, mean, if, and if you agree. think if you need it, if you need it then families need it as well. Right. Um, whether mum teaching her own children or little groups of families getting together. Uh, we, right. I think I mentioned when I talked about my own, uh, our own journey as Christian educators and homeschoolers as a family, we were tremendously blessed by being able to work with a group of other families in the early days when, we, when Ben uh, and Becky and Abby were young. Um, and uh, we, I don't think we could have done it without them. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, there were scientists and historians and mathematicians among the mums all mixed in there um, and the idea that yeah well mums don't really need to be educated because they're just a mum it's like I, you know if I have to bang my head against a brick more 50 more times I will do so if <laughs> I hear somebody say just a mum because because the, yeah. the, the calling of educating your own and and perhaps like in your situation uh, other people's children is so such a high calling um, the, the the very last thing we want to do is to create the impression that well you know school doesn't matter so much for girls because they're just going to have babies I mean that's just that's that's right. the caricature of us that we must refute yeah. in the next generation yeah and it's a and it's a bad take it's glib you know that's a glib take you know to, for us to be able to draw attention to something that's a priority you know it it doesn't necess- it doesn't necessitate that we are getting rid of everything else i mean there's a logical fallacy there that that i that right, i'm not exactly, okay with exactly. <laughs> um, and it's a, just a one thought i mean and then i'll come back to you if any final comments um some, something you said about um uh the 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 priority or the, the highest calling i can't remember exactly how you put it but the, the mm-hmm. you were referring to the glorious dignity of a woman's who's able to have children uh, of being with her family and, and raising those children. I'd want to say we might make a substantial impact on the lives of young men if we highlighted to them that their highest calling is to uh, sacrifice for and to love their families and that they do it by their working. And so if you can say to a 15-year-old or a 16-year-old at school who occasionally needs a kick in the seat of the pants to 
get his act together and get his schoolwork in on time. It's all Listen, stop, dis- stop despising your future wife. Stop neglecting your future mm. children. Right? This is not acceptable. Mm. Get your act together. Um, start loving your family. Um, and, you, and, and you give, you know, uh, more positively, the same uh, an analogous sort of encouragement to the young men who are at school or who are at college or who are um, uh, in the workplace. Uh, you know, when you are uh, grinding out eight and a half hours a day or a day in the warehouse or uh, you know, crawling around in the loft space installing uh, air conditioning ducts or whatever it, whatever it is that you're doing, um, uh, if you're at college and you're trying to figure out how to solve these complicated equations because you got to that difficult bit of the math course or whatever it is, you are loving your future family. And you might be loving your present family as well. And uh, if we can start to, or, in one sense, this, this orients our vocations where, where you start, where we started, right? Um, around the, the central hub of our uh, calling to be, those of us who are married, to be husbands and wives, to be fathers and mothers, um, and uh, within that framework to serve and sacrifice for others. And actually, to, to call men and women to do this in different ways is not like a compromise. Like This is the best mm-hmm. thing for us to do. The best thing for a, a man to do is to be doing that or be preparing for it. The best thing for a woman to do is to be preparing for her distinctive contribution to it. You don't help a lady by sending her off to a grad school to get a degree she won't use that will incur 300 grand of worth of debt um, when there would be a cheaper and more effective way of her training for her future without getting that millstone around her neck. You know, there are, there are, the way to love people is to love them in accordance with how they've been made and what they're called to do. So. Um, yeah. Let me head back to you, uh, Josh. Any final comments and thoughts on any of this stuff before we um, uh, call a halt? Yeah, I would think, um, I think maybe to capstone the entire conversation, and this is something that drives me personally, um, both vocationally and just as a, as a dad, um, is, is the more you look out at our culture, the more you might feel tempted to be discouraged or to be disheartened. Uh, when you consider yeah, yeah. the day to day and the craziness and this information age and um, the 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 hubris of it all, but the more you have conversations like we're having now and breaking apart and opening up this robust doctrine of vocation or thinking carefully about how we might inculcate every single day in mathematics the beautiful distinctives between man and female um, and thinking about all of these things. I can't help but think how hopeful it is, not only um, in in the work we do right now every single day, but also for the generations to come. Um, it, be, it, be, it strengthens and encourages me further to see God's uh, sovereign hand. And then now taking this small little conversation that we're having and then expand it throughout the last um, several thousand years and seeing how we could even have a casual conversation about the doctrine of vocation, something that has all been lost from a historical perspective at times, and then just to be able to have it casually and apply it to this and that is something deeply hopeful and something that is incredibly encouraging and, 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 and seeing how, you know, 
God is slowly but surely faithfully restoring civilization and it it makes it it's motivating in that don't don't stop let's let's keep going press in uh teach learn grow um and and the the restoration of civilization it suddenly and um it, it just suddenly becomes seemingly something that can be grasped and ju- so just when you think man you know we're beating our head against a wall like you said no 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 it seems in reach uh, at least milestones and and taking steps forward that so th- that's what I would want to leave with is is a, a spirit of hope um, yep. about this uh, this this eschatological certainty we could call it um, and and God's restoring civilization and bringing it under um, and, and giving it to Christ um, the nations and and all the things so how's that <laughs> yeah appreciate it very much and thank you very much again for taking the time to come and talk. Um, Everybody, this has been um, uh, Joshua Taylor, headmaster at Grace Classical Christian Academy in Granbury, Texas. Um, Thank you uh, for joining me um, on the All Saints podcast. Um, I've enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. I hope you've enjoyed it too. Um, uh, And we will be back uh, next week um, with uh, more of something different. Uh, Until then, the Lord bless you. Bye for now.